I want to preach a message to you this final Sunday of the year titled, Thank You, Next. Somebody say, thank you, next. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. Listen, I found myself this last week doing a wedding for one of our church members. It was a destination wedding, and they had me come and do their wedding. It was in New York City, and uh, it was beautiful. And I had to get a slice of pizza. I was with my wife. I said, we got to get a We're in New York City. We got to get a slice of pizza. And man, we stood in line at this pizza shop. And there was this, I mean, the pizza was huge. It was cheesy. It was hot. It was, I mean, the, the little dust underneath the bottom. It was in the brick oven. How many of y'all have ever had NYC pizza? Come on, somebody. And, and so I, it finally gets my turn. And I was, I froze because everything looks so good. This happens to me anytime I go eat, I can't make up my mind. How many of y'all can't make up your mind when you go eat? So I start asking questions and they're not like Southern Oklahoma hospitality people. They had the New Yorkie accent. He was like, what do you want? I was like, I, I don't know. It all looks so good. What would you have on a rainy day like today? And the guy's like, what do you want? And I was like, I I don't know, would you get the calzone? Would you get the margarita pizza, the cheesy pizza? Would you get the pepperoni or, or the ricotta cheese? I mean, that looks really good. He's like, what do you want? You know, and he was getting upset in the line behind me. So finally, my wife's embarrassed. I'm like, I'll take the pepperoni pizza. My wife's like, you were going to get that the whole time. Why didn't you just decide a minute ago? I was like, I just didn't know all the options that were going to be there. And so, you know, I, I ordered the pepperoni and the guy's looking at me and goes, thank you, next thank you, next. And I was like, oh, we're not going to savor this moment. We're not going to enjoy this, this situation that just happened here. He was like, move along. Everybody say, thank you, next. Sometimes we get stuck in moments that, you know, happen in our life, situations, good seasons. We get stuck in years and it's hard to let go. And what I want to teach you today is that everything that happened in your life, to your life, everything you walk through this year, it was for your own good. It was to make you stronger. It was to teach you a lesson, but it was not meant to be a destination. The past is not a destination. It's an education. It's a launching pad. 2018 was good, but 2019 is your future. Thank you for the past, but I'm ready for what's next. Thank you for the struggle. Thank you for the success. I'm not camping out in my success. I'm not camping out in the miracles of 2018. I'm thankful for it, but I'm moving into what's next. People get stuck in ditches. People get stuck in the thank you ditch. And they, they're so thankful, like it was just so good. Like the past was so, I was just so thankful for the past. It was so good. I miss Mayberry. I miss how things used to be. I miss victory in the 80s. I miss how life used to be when they were. I miss college. I'm thankful. But God never intended for you to stay in that season. So many people are like Peter Pan. They want to stay in Neverland. They don't want to grow up. They don't want to move into what's next. They're so enjoying the success of right now, or they're stuck in the failure of what just happened, stuck in the bitterness of what just happened. I'm, I'm in a season that I just don't know how to move forward. Then other people are in the ditch of next, and they're so obsessed with next, they don't know how to learn the lesson of what just happened because they're just going, come on, next, 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 next boyfriend, next girlfriend, next job, next career, next church. I'm going to switch every year. I'm going to be unfaithful. And listen, God is not a God of unfaithfulness or disloyalty. God is a God who, who leads you through seasons, leads you through commitments, and he's got something more for you. But don't get obsessed with next and miss what God's trying to do in your life right now. We need to live with one foot in thank you and one foot moving forward into next. As we finish this year, we're, we're, we're taking a step to say thank you for what you did this year, 
but I'm ready for what's next. I'm learning from what happened. I'm not camping out there. I'm not trying to move past it. I'm not trying to ignore it. I'm not trying to just brush it off, the pain that I endured. I'm going to thank God for what happened. I'm going to reflect a little bit. I'm going to learn some lessons because I'm going to need them in what's next. And I'm moving forward into what's next. Everybody say, thank you. you. Next. All right, I want you to go in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 1. You can make some noise. Come on. You could do better than that. It's the final Sunday of the year. You got through a year. How many are just glad you survived this year? You're like, thank you. Next. (laughs) Before we move into what's next, we need to recognize what just happened. In Luke 2, verse 1, this is kind of a Christmas passage, but I love this first line. It says, and it came to pass. I've been thinking about that for the last few weeks. I shared a little bit on it in our Christmas Eve service, but I just was thinking about how everything that's happened in my life has has come to pass. It's come for a reason. Everything that happens in the Bible, it came to pass. That phrase, it came to pass, it appears 440 plus times in the scriptures. It came to pass. It's not just a Christmas phrase. It's a phrase throughout the Bible. Abraham's life came to pass. Esther's life came to pass. Even Jesus's life, his birth, his death, his resurrection, it did not come to stay. It came to pass. My father's life, it came to pass. As much as I love my dad and wish that he was immortal and could live forever, he finished his life here on earth. Everyone and everything in your life is either coming or it's passing. Nothing is permanent except for God's word, God's presence, your relationship with God, and what you do for eternity. This is why it's important to ponder what happened this year so that we can learn as we go into the next year not to repeat cycles of addictions to temporary satisfactions that are not permanent for your future, that are not healthy for your future, it came to pass. Some of you, you walked through some struggles this year. You walked through some pain this year, but it did not come to stay. It came to pass. Some of you were let go by your company. Some of you endured some hardships this year. Some of you had surgeries this year. Some of you walked through legal battles this year. Thank God it did not come to stay. Your sickness did not come to stay. It came to pass. Somebody say it's coming to pass. We can't stay here. We need to learn what we've learned from these. We need to learn what we've walked through, but we need to move forward into where God's taking us. It came to pass. If we don't get comfortable with transition, we will be miserable the rest of our lives. I'm so thankful that my wife's pregnancy is not a 10 year long thing. It's nine months. And I'm saying she's thankful too. Aren't you glad pregnancy is not 10 years old? It's nine months. It comes to pass. This last year, we had our third child. The pregnancy was over. This last year, two of my boys, they transitioned out of diapers. Thank you, Jesus, it came to pass. Come on. My ninth grade year, it came to pass, and I do not want to repeat it. Middle school years, the, 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 all the stuff that we walk through, it's coming to pass. This is good news for the trouble you're in right now because your trouble won't last forever. Weeping may endure for the night, but 2019 is coming in the morning. And I'm predicting that God has greater things in your future than you've ever seen before. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Bible says we serve a God who leads us from glory to glory, from strength to strength. God did not intend to start something in you and then to lead you into defeat. He intends for you to finish in victory, a flourishing finish. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It came to pass. 
The divorce came to pass. The problem came to pass. The pain came to pass. It didn't come to stay. The darkness that you're walking through, the depression that you're walking through, the difficulty, the feeling of being stuck, the feeling of wondering when your breakthrough is going to come, it's coming to pass. And what we see in Luke chapter 2 is that everything that happened, the shepherds, the angels, the experience, it came to pass for Mary's sake. It was going to make Mary stronger. And what we see in verse 19 of Luke chapter 2, it says, So Mary pondered what just happened. She treasured what just happened. She treasured the experience. So many people are ready for what's next. They have memory loss. They have memory loss of what just happened. And so they step into what's next and they repeat some of the same behaviors that God was trying to set them free of. The immaturity, the entitlement. They carry the pacifier and the diapers into their teenage years. It's like, oh, you were supposed to let that go when you were three. You were supposed to grow out of those diapers. You weren't supposed to stay in that immaturity. So Mary was pondering what just happened so that she could learn from it for where God was about to take her next. If you don't ponder what just happened, you will miss what God wanted you to learn from that experience. And I want to show you four things that Mary pondered. Mary pondered. Not Mary Poppins. Mary pondered. Mary pondered. Everybody say ponder. Psalm 78 verse 11 says, because the Israelites forgot to remember the amazing miracles that God had done, they wandered in the wilderness. They forgot to remember. So many people are forgetting to remember the good things that God did in their life. Forgetting to remember the good lessons God taught them from the bad situations. The problem is we oftentimes remember what we should be forgetting and we forget what we should be remembering. We remember our mistakes, our failures, the sting, the wounds, the hurts, the bitterness, what people said to us, what they didn't say to us, who didn't show up, who, who hurt us, who rejected us. And we forget what God taught us. We forget what God was doing. And what Mary teaches us in this passage is that you've got to ponder really four things. I think people have, problem, uh, have a problem reflecting on what God's done because they don't know how to categorize it. And I want to give you four categories for what happened in 2018. Four categories for what's happened in your past so that you can carry confidence into your future. Number one, what happened to you? What happened to you? Mary was pondering what happened to her. Well, one... <laughs> What happened to her is she had an encounter with an angel and she got pregnant. <laughs> Mary, Mary had an encounter with her boyfriend, Joseph, and he was going to leave her. He was going to divorce her. And, and instead, he decided to marry her. So she had a couple different things happen to her that changed her life forever. You need to ponder what's happened to you this year, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because God's about to use what happened to you for your good. Nothing just happens on accident. When you walk in a spirit of thankfulness, you see every situation, every person, every loss, every gain, every failure, every success as an education for where God's about to take you. Take it and learn from it. What happened to you this year? In fact, take a moment to just write something down. What happened to you this year? Some of you guys went through surgeries this year. Some of you guys got healed of some sickness this year. Some of you guys went through some painful relationship heartache this year. What happened to you? Now, look at yourself. You're still breathing. You're still here. Give God praise. You made it through what happened to you. What was meant, the car accident that was meant to kill you, you're still breathing. Someone say, I'm still standing. Come on, I made it through another year. And what happened to you leads you into the next category. What happened for you? What happened for you? God did some things for you in the midst of what life was trying to bring against you. 
God did some things for you. God set you free of some attitudes, some behaviors, some mindsets, some people that came to pass. Some things that, that you thought were permanent and God says that, that was necessary to be removed from your life. I had to bring you through that. I had to take you through that. I know it was bad. I didn't cause it to happen to you, but I used it for your good. What the enemy meant for harm, God's gonna turn around for your good. If God allowed you to go through it, he's gonna use it for his glory. If God allowed you to endure it, he's gonna use it for your good. Everything that happened to you, God will use for you when you change your perspective of how you see it. How many had some tough things happen to you this past year? How many guys walked through some stuff that wasn't easy? It was uncomfortable. What we, what we need to do is we need to ponder. We don't take enough time to do this. We always want new things, new stuff, next, next, next. But in order to get to what God has next for you, you've got to ponder what just happened from an attitude of thankfulness. Thank God for what he did in your life this year. Thank God for what he brought you through this year. Let's take a moment. Let's give praise to God for what he's done in and through our, come on, just give God praise for what he was doing in your life. God, I thank you that I made it this year. Lord, I thank you, God, I'm still standing. Lord, I thank you for what you taught me this year. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you did in my marriage. Lord, I thank you, God, for what you did through the situations that were supposed to harm me. What the devil meant for harm, you turned around for good. Lord, you taught me so much this year. God, you brought me through so... Come on, give God praise, Victory Church. Finish in victory. Finish with a sense of thankfulness, with worship. Number three, what happened in you? What happened in you? Mary was pondering what happened to her and for her. And what happened in her? She was pregnant with a promise. She, she was carrying the future of the world. She was carrying the Savior. The changes that happened in her body, the stretch marks, the changes that happened on the inside. Some things happened in you this year that are for your good. The character development. The idea of understanding how to trust in God when you don't know what's next when you don't know how you're going to make it. God did some things in you. You've got to dig deep in the soil of your soul and ask yourself the question, what was God teaching me this year? What was God doing in me? My wife and I, we spent some time in the summer this year to just kind of pull away from all, all of what we do. And during that time, we were reading a book together called The Road Back to You. It was written by a Christian man, a pastor at one time, who just kind of got so obsessed with trying to please people. He was addicted to the approval of man, addicted to the uh, uh, approval of what people thought about him. He would say yes to everyone and everything at the church. And what, what happened is it led to his burnout. And he, and he found himself having to walk away from the church and everything, and he had to find out who he was again. And so he discovers this personality test and starts to discover that he had drifted so far from the original design of who God made him to be. And so the point of the book was the road back to himself to find out who God had really called him to be. Some of us this year, God's been drawing us back to who he's called us to be. What he's been doing in you is he's been trying to develop the authentic you, the original you, the you that's not trying to impress your dead dad, the you that's not trying to impress everyone in your life, the you that doesn't care about trying to win everybody's approval. At the end of your life, the only one who says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is God. It's not anybody else. So in my life, what God was doing in me, as I was reading the book, I was crying. Not because I can relate to this guy so much, but I felt the pain of what he was saying. 
And I started asking God the question. I had to put the book down in the middle of the year. And I said, God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you doing in me? And my wife and I, we just took some time to process. And it's not easy to process for guys because our ego gets in the way. My wife started asking me some uncomfortable question. Why do you feel that way? Why do you tend to make things about you? And I was like, how dare you? I don't make things about me. You're trying to make this about me right now. You know, and I'm like, my wife was helping me to discover that there were some things God was wanting to pull out. And you can't go into a new year and expect God to do great things in your life if you still carry that toxic you into the new year. You take you with you everywhere you go. You can lose the weight, but if you don't lose the bad attitude, the weight's not gonna matter, right? You can lose all the pounds, but still have a poor self-image and be jealous of everybody else and compare yourself to, and, and all the pounds that you lost will never be good enough. There's gotta be some internal inventory before we finish this year to say, God, what did you wanna do in me and are you finished? Can I spend the last 40 hours of this year to dig deep and not just rush into a New Year's party or watch the ball drop, but maybe watch my heart change and go down to an altar and lay down my ego and my pride and my selfishness and my resentment towards God and the church and people and my family. What if I got real with God and got humble at the end of the year so that I enter into next year with a better attitude for what God's about to do. What did God do in you? And number four, what did God do through you? Mary was pondering what happened to her and for her and in her and through her. Who did God use you to touch this year? Who did God use you to encourage? Can you think back this year and, and realize that maybe some of the things that happened through you this year, they weren't even about you, they were about other people. Maybe you witnessed to people. Were any of your goals this past year about others? Were they all about you? You need to ponder that. You need to think about that. Reflect on that. Were all of my goals about me? I want to lose more weight. want to make more money. want to read 10 books. want to take this class. want to figure out my personality. want to do things for me, me, me. I want to go on these trips. And what we need to do is we need to ponder and go, God, as I step into this next year, help me to set some goals that aren't just about me, that you could use me to touch other people's lives, that I can love other people, encourage other people, help other people, focus more on giving instead of getting this next year. Ponder what God did through you. Mary had to ponder it because God did amazing things through her. But pondering is not a destination, it's an education. Pondering was never meant to be a place where we camp out. It's a launching pad into what's next. We've got to stop talking about what happened as if that's the best that it will ever be and start recognizing that's just to build confidence for where God's about to take us. Thank you next. Everybody say thank you next. There's two ways to ponder. And Jesus warns in Luke 17, I want the keys to come out. He warns, don't ponder, don't look back like Lot's wife looked back. Mary looked back with a sense of thankfulness, worship, confidence, trusting that God was about to take her somewhere new. But Lot's wife in the Old Testament, just a little bit of history here, Lot's wife, she loved her past so much that she couldn't move forward into the new thing God was about to do. And so they lived in this city called Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a sin city, sexual immorality everywhere. And God said, I'm getting you out of this lifestyle. I'm getting you out of this addiction. I'm getting you out of this environment. I'm pulling you out from this situation you've been so wrapped into. And while God was bringing Lot and his wife out, he said, don't look back, don't look back. But Lot's wife looked back from a place of regret, wishing that she could go back to how things used to be. 
wishing she could go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. And because she looked back that way, the Bible says she turned into a pillar of salt. In other words, she missed out on the future that God had for her. As we look back on what God did this past year, let us not look back and regret or guilt or shame or missing the good old days or wishing we could stay in this moment, stay in this year. Let us look back thanking God for what he did in us, for us, to us, through us, and have confidence for what he has next. I want us to go to Matthew chapter two as we get ready to bring this to a a changing point in the sermon. The second part of this is what's next. Because this sermon, thank you next, it requires gratitude and faith. It requires pondering and pursuing. Pondering what's happened and pursuing what's about to happen. Pondering what God did and pursuing what God has next. Thanking him for the past. Gratitude and now faith for the future. And this is where I want to go to Matthew chapter 2. And it says the wise men came looking for Jesus after he was born. So this wasn't Christmas time. This was after Christmas time. Jesus had been born. This was during the time of King Herod. And Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked King Herod, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. I want to stop right there. Who have you come to worship this morning? Why are you here? Why are you alive? What are you searching for in 2019? What are you searching for in your future? Because if you're searching for money, fame, success, weight loss, trying to look good in the eyes of man, I'm telling you, all those things leave you empty. This is why God says, I've created you to worship me, not because he's like, this narcissistic God that needs us all to praise him and worship him because he's insecure in himself. God knows that what we worship turns into our enjoyment. You worship what you love because you love it. So you, you, you study ESPN and the stats and the sports and you watch OU and you watch the Dallas Cowboys or, or you study certain things. You, you look at uh, all the things you love, you watch it, you spend time on it, you adore it, you give it your attention. And you think you find satisfaction from the food, from the restaurants, from the shopping, from the sports, from knowing about everyone else's lives, all those things. But God says, none of that's going to leave you fulfilled. The only one you worship that will satisfy the deepest part of your soul is God himself. So the, the wise men, they were wise enough to know we can't worship money. We can't worship success or fame. We've got to worship the King of Kings and the Lord. of. We've come to worship. Somebody say, I've come to worship. I've not come to worship a preacher or a pastor or a speaker. That's why in 2019, I'm not just going to show up when it's Furtick or Jake's or my favorite series. I'm going to show up every single week because Jesus is there. I want to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to worship Jesus. I'm not just coming for an Easter play or a Christmas play. I'm coming because Jesus is in the house. I want to worship Jesus. Can you tell me where he is, they said. And Herod was threatened. He was disturbed. Verse three, Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. This jumped off the pages at me this week. And I started to look up who Herod was. Herod was one of the most insecure kings that's ever led in the history of time. He was kind of like Saul in the Old Testament. King Herod wanted to appear good in the eyes of the religious people, but inwardly he harbored some very immoral, dark things that he would secretly keep. Herod was so insecure on the day he died, he was afraid no one would cry when he died. So he ordered soldiers to go out and kill people in every province of Israel so that there would be mourning on the day of his death. That's how wicked Herod was. 
So the day Herod died, people were weeping because they were losing family members because Herod had ordered his soldiers to kill them. He was insecure. He was disturbed. He was threatened. He couldn't celebrate anyone's happiness around him. He was threatened by a baby. And the wise men came and they said, have you seen the king? And Herod, Herod was disturbed. He called everyone together. He said, what is this king about? What, what did the prophecies say? And they said, well, this is what the prophet was written. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means the least you are by no means the smallest, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In other words, God specializes in small things, small places, small steps. You want to have an incredible year next year? Do the small stuff. Show up to church every week. Say I love you to the people that you truly love. Do the small stuff next year. If you can only walk half a mile a week, walk. Get out and do something. You might say, well, Paul, I can't do what I used to do. I don't have... Get out and do something. God specializes in using small things to make a big impact in your life. You want to have a change in your house? It's not just going to be when somebody lays hands on you at the altar. It's you going home and do the routine small stuff. God specializes in using the small things to bring big impact, big changes. So he says, Bethlehem, even though you're small, something big is going to come from you. Never, never despise the day of small beginnings. So Herod called the Magi secretly and he found them. He found the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, come back and tell me what you find. Come and report it so that I too may go and worship. Herod was manipulative. He was crazy. He was a wild king. He was so disturbed, jealous, envious, insecure, selfish. He wanted everyone to know about him. He had 40 pools in his palace. Misvah pools is what they were called. They were a mixture between Jewish culture and Roman culture. He wanted to fit in with the Jews. They were baths that were used for purification, but he mixed them to be used also for the Roman culture of pleasure and sexual immorality. He had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. He was disturbed because he had not decided who he was going to worship. He was worshiping himself and he cared more about what people thought than what God thought. And the wise men left and they found the child where he was and they brought their, their gold, their frankincense and their myrrh. And verse 12, this is the scripture that jumped out at me. It says, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. They went back a different way. They were warned by God, don't go back the way you came. You, you came one way, but you're gonna leave a different way. You came into 2018 one way, but you can't go back that same way. You came into church complaining, angry, cynical, upset, but God says, you've got to leave with a better attitude. You've got to leave with a sense of thankfulness. You came in this weekend frustrated, upset. So God says, I want you to leave different than the way you came in. You came into church one way, but God wants you to leave a different way. You came into your marriage one way, but God says, I'm using what's been painful to change you. You've been so selfish. I'm trying to weed out the selfishness because you cannot keep going the same way that you came and expect that marriage to last. You cannot keep going the same way that you've came and expect to be free from that addiction. Now, I don't know if everyone in this room lived a perfect life this year with perfect thoughts, perfect actions, perfect attitudes, never made a mistake. If that's you, I wanna be more like you. But I had some things this year that, that I need to grow in. What happened to me, for me, through me, and in me exposed things to me. 
it exposed some areas that God says, I need to work on that. I need to work on that impatience. I need to work on that insecurity. I need to work on that. You can't repeat the way that you just came and expect me to bless it. Don't go back to Herod. Don't go back to Herod. Avoid Herod at all costs. Go a different way. You came this way, but when you encounter Jesus, you've got to leave a different way. Once you encounter Jesus, the way changes. Once you meet Jesus, everything changes. Your attitude changes. Your perspective changes. The way you treat people changes. You can't keep treating people like trash. You can't keep looking at people and judging them by the color of their skin or by what they've walked through or by how they look or how they worship, making fun of how they praise. You can't keep looking at life the same way, cynical and upset, complaining about everything something's got to change everybody say something's got to change God's God's looking at you and he's saying thank you but it's time for you to grow to the next season thank you for how you lived this year but it's time for you to grow up into what I've got next it's time for you to look at yourself in the mirror and say thank you for what I learned this year but I can't repeat what I did this year Thank you for what I learned and thank you for the lessons, but it's time for what's next. I've got to grow. I got to let go of the pacifier. I got to get out of the diapers. I got to change. I can't stay in Bethlehem forever. It's time for me to move into the new route, the new season, which means something's got to change. And I want to give you three turns. When you get rerouting on my phone, when I realize that I've gone away, that I can't go, my phone says rerouting. And it usually gives me three turns. It says, go this way, turn left. Go this way, turn left, go this way, merge left, and now you're back on the right road. And what I want to tell you today is there's really three things that need to change on the inside. Because if you'll change the inside, it will affect the outside. If you only focus on the outside changes that you want to make in in this next year, you're going to miss out on all the things God's trying to teach you. Don't just focus on making money, losing weight, reading books, finishing school, getting married, all those things you want to do, buying this, buying that, building a house, buying a boat, whatever it is that you want to do, focus on the inside you. It's time to change the inside so that this next year is a year that we, 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 I believe in 2019, we're about to experience our best year yet as a church. I believe we're stepping into our greatest days yet. How do I know that? I sense it. We're getting ready to build this next year. We're getting ready to explore and expand new avenues of reaching out, ministering, discipling, making changes for the better. And we need all hands on deck, but there's got to be an internal requirement where where we all come together and go, okay, I'm going to work on the inside me. So three things. Number one, change your attitude. Change your attitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. If you have a good attitude, you can go far with God. Having a humble attitude. It's time to get rid of a high maintenance attitude. Everyone in your life is not sent to please every single need that you have. We are not, the world does not revolve around me. It's time to let go of a high maintenance attitude. It's time to let go of unrealistic expectations, putting pressure on everyone, putting pressure on yourself to be perfect. Have an attitude of gratitude that you even have a seat at the table. Have an attitude this year where you're going to go in with humility and say, Lord, I'm just thankful to be alive. Lord, I'm going to look at everyone and everything, not from a place of what they can do for me, but what I can do for them, how I can be a servant leader, how I can serve you. It's about him and them. I'm going to stop making life all about me, 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 me. Thank you 
but it's time for me to grow up. It's time for my next season. I can't stay a kid forever. I can't stay in Neverland forever. The greatest adventure of all is growing up. And it's time for our attitudes to grow up a little bit. Ephesians says, let go of malice, anger, jealousy, envy, strife, slander, gossip. Have an attitude that you treat other people with compassion, that you look on other people with grace. Have an attitude where you walk in patience with people who used to bother you and stress you out. Have an attitude where th this year set a goal, an internal goal. Proverbs eleven twenty seven says, godly goals lead to great respect in your life. If your goals are godly, if your goals are righteous, if your goals are good, God will not bless a goal that is motivated by ego, guilt, greed, shame, lust, selfish ambition. God will not bless a goal that is motivated from a place of wanting to be, appear important in the eyes of man, wanting to appear rich and wealthy just for the sake of other people recognizing. God will bless a goal for, that is motivated from love and humility and grace and wanting to bring glory to God. If your goal is good, you will be respected and God will reward it. If your goal is selfish, even if you accomplish it, you will feel empty on the other side. Check yourself. Check your heart. <laughs> Check your goals. Check the motivation behind them. Change the attitude. Number two, change your aspiration. Change your aspiration. What are you aspiring for? What are you aspiring to be? What are you aspiring to do? It's time that we start having aspirations that would bring God glory, that we would aspire to be more like Jesus, that we would aspire to live more like him. You will never become the man or the woman that God's called you to be if you do not intend and aspire to be it. It does not happen on accident. Men who pray don't pray on accident. Men who honor women and don't take advantage of them, it does not happen on accident. You've got to start aspiring to be a man after God's own heart. Stop sleeping around. Stop messing around. Stop getting into filthy stuff that's messing up your future. Your future is too important for you to waste it on temporary pleasures that don't even satisfy you 30 seconds later. Say, I'm changing my aspirations. In other words, I'm changing my desires. You, you have control over your desires. Your desires do not have control over you. But it's going to require self-control. You've got to intend, I'm going to be a woman after God's own heart. I'm going to be a man after God's own heart. I'm setting goals to walk in patience this year. I'm setting goals to be who God's called me to be. And while you're working on God's goals, God's working on you. God's working on your heart. God's working on your attitude. God's working on your self-control. Number three, final point here, change your appetite. Change your appetite. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Going into this next season, this next chapter, God says you can't keep eating and drinking like you have. Things gotta change if you wanna see real change happen. You're gonna have to change your diet. When you have high cholesterol, the doctor sits down and says, here's, here's what you're gonna have to cut out so we can get that cholesterol to come down. When you have high blood pressure, here's what we're gonna have to cut out to get that blood pressure to come down. But when your spirit man is weak, and the preacher says, here's what we're going to have to cut out. You go, legalism. <laughs> Imagine just yelling that at your doctor next time he tells you how to live. We're going to have to do this if you want to not die. Legalism. 
The doctor's going to go, okay, I'm just trying to help you survive. I'm trying to help us as a church become spiritually strong and not anemic and not weak and not just hungry for candy sermons, but hungry for the word of God, hungry for the presence of God, hungry for the power of God, not showing up with a cynical heart, but showing up with a lean in attitude to say, I'm going to praise and worship. I'm going to bring a change in this community. I'm going to bring a change in this city. I'm not just going to talk about the word. I'm not just going to hear the word. I'm going to be a doer of the word and if you're a doer of the word your life will start changing don't just hear it do it so here's what we're going to do as a church to put this message into practice at the end of your row there's bible reading plans to stir up the appetite you got to start eating eating the stuff that you want to have a palate for taste and see that the lord is good so this is what i read on a daily basis. This is on our Victory app too, so you can have it right on your phone. Victory app is free, you can download it. But I also have, I like to have the paper copy too. I got the Bible on my phone, but I got the paper Bible too, I like it. I like to underline stuff, I like to check mark this with my pen. But I challenge you to read the Bible. This helps us to read the Bible in a year. What if one of your goals this year was to know God more, to know God's purpose for your life? to know God's will for your life, to follow God more, to develop your love walk with people better, to become the best you that God's called you to be. You've got to get in God's word. You're going to find out the rules and the, the, not the rules. You're going to find out the relationship that comes only through God that changes your attitude, your heart, your mind. I find what God's trying to teach me every time I open my Bible. And oftentimes I'm preaching what we're reading that week. So you can follow along even with what I'm reading, what our staff is reading right here. And then here's the next thing I wanna challenge us to. As we go into this new year, I wanna challenge us to fast and pray. So here's what I'm gonna do to change my appetite. I'm gonna take 21 days in January to fast. The Bible talks about fasting as a means to hear from God and to prepare for what God has next. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness. And what happened next? He stepped into his ministry. Jesus said there's certain kinds of breakthroughs that only come from fasting and prayer. In the Old Testament, when when the Israelites were getting ready to move in unoccupied territory, territory that God was giving them, oftentimes there would be a fast. They would give up something. And Daniel in the Bible, who uh, was thrown in the lion's den, Daniel had a fast. It was a 21-day fast where he only ate fruit and vegetables. It wasn't to lose weight. We don't fast to lose weight. We fast to draw closer to God. So here's what I'm doing as your pastor. And if you want to join me, I'd love for you to join me. I'm going to do a 21-day Daniel fast where I'm going to go fruit and vegetables, water and juice. I'm going to try to stay off coffee for 21 days. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to do my best to stay off coffee. In Jesus' name, I, I can do it. 21 days and I'm going to pray and I'm going to hear from God for what God has in store. I'm going to start on January 1st and I'm going to end on January 21st. If you want to do that with me, let's do it together. If you want to fast for seven days and you say, you know what? I can't, I can't do what you're doing, but I'm going to give up social media for 21 days, or I'm going to give up television for 21 days. I'm going to give up watching sports. 
I'm going to do something for 21 days or for seven days. You pick the days, you pick the thing you want to fast, but let's take some time at the start of the year to get our hearts ready for what God has in store. If we want to stir up the appetite for more of God, more of what God has in store, then we've got to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. I want you to stand your feet all over this room. Everybody say, change the appetite. How many are thankful for this year? How many are ready for what's next? I want you just to close your eyes. And if you're a believer, lift your hands to heaven and say, thank you. Next. Thank you, Lord. I'm ready for what's next. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did in me, for me, through me. Lord, I'm ready for what's next. Now you could put your hands down with every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's take the last five to seven minutes of this final Sunday of the year to worship, to just bring it to God. I believe there's some of you in this room, God is saying, you've got to change some areas in your life if you wanna see a breakthrough. You've gotta change the appetite. You've got to starve what your flesh has been craving and you've got to start feeding your spirit. It's not legalism. It's not overboard. This is to get your spirit man ready for what's next. This is to get your spirit stronger. This is to become the you that God's called you to be. You've got to look at the devil and say, I'm done. I'm done playing games with you. I'm not going back to Herod. I'm not going back the way that I came. I'm changing the route. I'm getting ready for what God has next. I'm thankful for the encounters, the experiences. I've learned some lessons, but I'm ready for what's next. Lord, I'm going to pursue the dream that you're stirring in my heart. God was stirring a dream in the wise men's heart. He was saying, follow the dream, pursue the dream, pursue the dream. The dream is calling you to a higher level. The dream dream is calling you to a deeper level. The dream is calling you to make a change in the route that you've been taking. God's saying you got to change the routine. you got to add more of God's word, more time in his presence. You've got to start getting consistent in your approach and following after Jesus. If you want to see real change, then you've got to make some changes. I'll never forget. I invited one of my mentors to come preach for us and he showed up the first year that I was pastor on Memorial Day weekend. So many things were going wrong that weekend. And I was discouraged so much, I was embarrassed. I started explaining, apologizing to him. He looked at me and said, Paul, I didn't come to be impressed. I said, what do you mean? I want you to be impressed. He said, no, no, I'm not impressed by stuff like this. He said, I've been all over the world. I'm not impressed. He said, what I'm impressed is how you answer this question I'm about to ask you. I said, what's the question? He said, do you want to get better? Do you want to get better? Or do you think you've arrived? I said, I want to get better. He said, do you think you can grow and get better? I said, yeah, I know we can grow. He said, that's what I'm impressed with. I look at God and I I feel like God's the same way. God says, even if you had a flawless performance in 2018, God says, I'm not impressed with what man's impressed with. 
What I'm impressed with is the humble heart to say, Lord, I want to get better. I want to get better in my attitude. I want to get better in walking after you. Lord, I want to grow stronger. Paul said it like this, not that I've obtained anything or that I've arrived, but I press on towards the, the calling that Christ has on me. I press forward, forgetting what is behind me. I press forward to what is ahead of me. Some of us this, this, this morning, God's saying, don't worry about where you missed it this year. Don't, don't beat yourself up over the head. Don't carry the shame and the guilt at the end of the year that you didn't accomplish everything you wanted to accomplish, that things haven't turned around yet. God says, what I'm most impressed with, what I care about the most is that you have a humble heart to say, Lord, I want to get better. Lord, I want to change for the better. Lord, I've not arrived yet, but I'm pressing forward, onward. God, I'm going to worship more. Lord, I'm going to pray. God, I'm going to stir up an appetite for more of you. Just close your eyes all over this place. Say, I want more of you, God. I need more of you, God. I'm going to get stronger, God. I'm going to trust you more. Lord, I'm going to let you lead me more. I'm going to stop demanding my way, God. I surrender to you. I want to grow, Lord Jesus. Secondly, I believe some of you right here, right now at this worship time, God's pulling out some things that got lodged in you this year. People let you down. People didn't show up. People said things you wish they wouldn't have said that just stuck in your mind. They didn't say things that you hoped they were going to say. Maybe you were rejected this year. Maybe you walked through pain. And God says, before we go into what's next, I need to remove some things that have been lodged in you that just happened. I'll never forget a while back, I went swimming and I jumped in a certain area in the lake and my foot hit the bottom of the lake and it hurt. I got cut. I bandaged it up, put Neosporin on it went on and started walking, running. Weeks went by, months went by, and it seemed like the pain was gone. I was running, jogging, didn't have a problem with it. The end of the year came, it had been seven months, and my back was hurting, so I went to see a chiropractor here, and they were adjusting my back, and they pressed up against my foot in a certain spot, and it hurt so bad. And they said, that's not normal, that's not normal. Take your shoe and your sock off. I took it off, and they said, there's a black thing that's it's inside your foot. There's something dark in there. Sure enough, I turned my foot around and I didn't realize when I hit the bottom that a, a small piece of wood, a splinter, got lodged on the inside of the bottom of my foot. I thought nothing was there because I couldn't feel it until he put pressure in the right point. And he showed me some things happened in your life this year. And maybe right now God's trying to expose that there's some splinters that need to be pulled out. He said, if you don't pull that out, that's going to hurt like crazy in the years to come. You won't be able to run like you're running. You might be able to do it right now, but that eventually is going to catch up to you, that pain. You've got to get it out. You've got to get it out now. So I took needles and I dug that thing out of my foot. I pulled it out. And you know what? The pain is gone. I can run, I can walk, don't have it. It hurt to pull it out, but it was for my good. God's saying, let's pull that splinter out from what your dad did. Let's pull that splinter out from what happened between you and that person, you and your ex. Let's pull that splinter out who divorced. Let's pull that split. There's, there's something lodged on the inside. 
And if you carry that into this next year, you're carrying, there's toxicity, there's poison, and that you got to pull that out. Lord, I pray for every heart in this room, every relationship, every marriage, every mind, every mom, every dad, every son, every daughter, every husband, every wife. Lord, every person in this room that's been hurt or rejected or felt the sting of disappointment, not getting what they thought they were going to get, not experiencing what they thought they were going to experience. And I pray in Jesus' name for spiritual surgery, God, that you're going in and you're removing the splinter. You're removing the sting, God, of the bitterness, the poison of regret, of self-hatred, of self-resentment. God, that today is a day of forgiveness. You remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. It's time to forgive yourself. It's time to forgive the people who've hurt you. It's time to get that splinter out you can't change what's happened but you can change your attitude you can change what's happening on the inside of you by surrendering it to Jesus